was a rich woman, she had rich taste, she felt the blood running through her veins. She liked the life she had, she loved her big cats and the beauty of being a Fake players, real losers, the USBA podcast. I'm Kerry, GM of the Buckhead Bowties, joined by TJ, GM of the uh, Toledo Stingers. For what? How many? How many iterations of this um, is it for you, TJ? I've probably done ten or eleven of them. Well, no. How many? How many times have you come back and run Toledo? Uh, oh, um, in, this in... is number only number two. Okay, I had to dip away for a little. Well, no, number three because I couldn't do it when I was at basic training. And my tech school in Texas. So Reed ran the team. And then I came back. And then I left. And now I'm back. So yeah, this is my third yeah, and third stint. And you're using you know what, what Reed did. You're describing what he did um, as running it that went very, very charitably. Um, so Yeah, he, uh, he signed he signed uh, Alfredo Martinez for me. So I will forever be in his debt. There you go. Um, one of the one of the original, uh, not original, but longtime early early GMs who loved to loved to wheel and deal. He didn't see a trade that he uh, didn't. Yeah, he like. dropped off the map. Yeah, doesn't. I wonder what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know. He's my age. Doesn't doesn't come around too much anymore. Um, but first off, we're we're going to talk some uh, USBA baseball here. We're going to dig into the 2038 season. But before then, just want to give a big shout out to um, everybody in the league, um, but specifically Dave for just keeping this rolling um, during the the COVID nineteen during the coronavirus time, where obviously there's a ton of a uh, ton of uncertainty. Um, you know, job wise, country wise, economically, all the above. Um, the fact that we have uh, a good group of people, um, you know, and something that runs consistently through the this, that gives people a little bit of an escape during this time. Um, it's certainly, it's certainly much appreciated. So, uh, huge shout out to Dave for keeping that going, and then also just the the general community um, that's been fostered in uh, in the Slack group as well over the years. Um, pretty pretty cool deal. Um, something you know, oftentimes take for granted, but certainly in times like this, um, you know, rise to the top a little bit more. Oh, definitely. And Carrie, I don't know if this is uh, needed because we're going to be back by Easter. You know, yes. it's only only a couple more weeks, right? Perfect. You know, this is this is recorded, and we do have receipts, so we'll we'll uh, we'll circle around on that. But um, <laughs> you know, and, and we we've all said this before, and it's kind of a running joke now. But certainly, 
you know, I, I, I will not be returning to physically returning to work for a while. Um, but I would like to make this more routine and, and also open up this time to, um, you know, would love to get any, any newer GMs, um, you know, anybody who hasn't come on, even if you want to do five, 10 minutes, every team in this league has a unique story about what they're doing, building, selling all the above. Um, and those have been some of the most interesting podcasts. We've just done a deeper dive to, uh, any, any random team out there. So shout out, it doesn't matter if you've been in the league a week or you've been in the league for what, seven, eight years. Um, we'd love to have people on any more than three at a time usually gets pretty crowded. Uh, but that being said, um, you know, certainly I'm, I'm flexible during the day. People pop in when their, their kids are sleeping or whatever. Uh, but certainly would like to make this a more routine thing. Um, going forward. We've said that about 18 times yeah. over the last five years. So I think we might actually be able to do it this time and, and because I, nobody's I, working. Right. I think that this is, I think this is more, more realistic than others. Um, so with that, let's dig into some USBA baseball here. Let's start, uh, let's give a rundown. We're going to go bottom to top here. Um, uh, first off, we have the ML, um, which is home to both of our teams in here currently. And, Pretty interesting down here at the bottom. Uh, what's yeah, your... I definitely, definitely wanted to ask you a few questions about your team. First off, did you think that you would be in first place in the 3L going into September after you sold everything off? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly did certainly did sell um, quite a bit. I mean, it was not that long ago. What, two seasons ago, I was in the PL. Three, four seasons ago, I I had what I would say the best team. You know, all the underlying stats did not win the title, finished second. Um, and I and I was at a point where I'm like, okay, I can't I can't win if I blow this up now. I had a lot of very good, expensive players: um, Manning, Buchanan, um, C or whatever his name is pronounced. Um, all these dudes, and I probably sold them for less. But in terms of my margin of utility. I, I'm not going to resign them. They do no good for me. And, Definitely. You know, should I have shopped around? Could I have shopped around a little more? Absolutely. But it was with the the idea that if I'm going to make a move, I'm going to do this all at once. Um, and the, to answer your question, did I think I'd be in first? No. But the the ML though is you you just it's never, weird. You just never really know. Yeah. What that looks like till you're down there. Uh, I think I've said in the chat before. But I think you know my team is deeply flawed in the sense that um, some of the dudes. I mean, you need an L screen out there as a pitcher to pitch to the middle of my order, but then there's just it definitely drops off. Yeah, there's just trash. But that's you know it's it's the you have inefficiency, but that's kind of born out of necessity. Is if you if you didn't have the inefficiency, well then by definition you wouldn't be in the three L. I mean, you're two, three, four, maybe even five is just ridiculous. I mean, I don't know if it's been a while since I've seen a lineup with two guys with 10 power in it. Yeah, down there. Um, and that, that certainly that certainly helps me out a ton. And they're able to, to feast on, obviously, some, some pretty bad pitching. Um, but the, the second part of my plan is, you know, to get to get really young, to be able to invest in the draft and to buy a bunch of IFAs. And... That is, things could certainly change, but a lot of those certainly look like busts early on. Um, but that being said, you know, did get some major league talent. Um, started to turn the financial situation around. Uh, 
but the the overall the the Menards League in general here, where you've got you've got Buckhead, Brooklyn, Echo Park, Fort Worth, just all you know within a hair of each other, um, and then you've got the two teams that are third and fourth, who by um, expected run differential are the best. Uh, so. It is it is fascinating at the top the playoff you know who is in the playoffs locked up uh, you know, it stabilized pretty quickly, um, but still obviously a lot of baseball left to be played there. Um, you know you can make a case for any of those four teams winning it, and you can make an ca- easy case for any of those four teams um, losing it. Um, any other any other ML thoughts for you? Yeah, I mean at least for you, you have a big series coming up at Brooklyn. Um, that'll be on Monday. That will go a long way. They have you at a 46% chance to win the league. And I agree with that because your schedule is pretty easy down the stretch. You have Kingston Township twice, who's just a very mediocre team. You have Cleveland, which is a good team, and Echo Park one more time. But other than that, you have Houston still. You have Montana still. Montana six times, actually. So I like your chances. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm getting um, – what's his name? I'm getting one of my arms back that I didn't have the Frenchman. Um the Pascal Martin. I'm getting him back. He's been hurt for a while. You did just lose your starting center fielder, though. Sarif. Sarif. For yeah. the rest of the season. So I don't know who you plan on replacing him with down down in Florida with the men. Well, yeah. So I had to go below Florida. I had to go all the way to double A. So my philosophy on this, and maybe it's dumb, but I needed someone who could at least play an adequate defensive center field. And... You know, bat be damned. Um, I I had to call up a 21-year-old Venezuelan, Luciano Colombo. He's a seven-center fielder with an 8.87 in terms of defensive ratings. Um, his personality, though, is, is amazing. I've never seen this before in um, OTP, but they describe him as someone who's unthinking, uh, low... <laughs> Low loyalty, adaptability, intelligence. As a coach, I've certainly uh, you know coached a lot of guys like that. Um, he just doesn't. He just doesn't care, man. He's in the show. He he doesn't give a shit. That's right. He's getting hey. He's getting paid. Um, you know, making essentially the the GDP of, of Venezuela to play to play a boys' game. So you know, can't complain. All things considered. Um, so since taking back over Toledo, ask you about, about your team. Um, you guys are, are not in the picture, never really in the picture. What is your what is your plan going forward? Currently, you guys sit at uh, ten games under at 37, 37 and forty seven. Um, you know the looks like the offense has gotten historically unlucky. Um, you know you you should be a little bit better than that. Um, which which. Well, very fascinating. So you got you're very unlucky and then very lucky. It looks like you should be scoring a lot more runs, but at the same time you're winning tons of close games. So uh-huh. they kind of came out in the wash there. Uh, but anyways, what, what's what's your plan for for your franchise going forward? Uh, probably at least a couple more years of bottoming out. I would say we're pretty close with where the Detroit Tigers are in real life, where we have we have some guys, but for the Tigers they don't have any hitting prospects really. Mm-hmm. I don't have any good pitching prospects. So I have guys like Lester Threlfall, who 19 years old. He's taken a hit recently with the ratings, but he still should be an animal. Matt Dunlap and uh, David Alcabu, another 17-year-old uh, IFA, who should be legit starters. But the pitching is very bare. So I'm going to have to figure out what I'm doing with that. At least for this upcoming offseason, I doubt 
I go out and make any big signings. Um, there's really no rush for me, at least just recently. I just called up a second baseman. So right now, um, it looks like uh, eight of the or seven of the nine lineup spots are all young guys that I developed in my system. Yeah, so yeah. we're getting there, but we're still a couple of years out, especially on the pitching side. What uh, what what Dunlap is doing to those children down in, in rookie ball is uh, tantamount yeah. to, to child. Yeah, abuse. I called him up. I mean, maybe he'll do that. A two ten OPS plus is pretty okay, if you ask me. So yeah, he's he's beating up on some um, some four and seventeen year olds down there in rookie ball, but he should he should certainly be a stud down there. Um, all right, so your 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 prediction going forward. I mean, in Fort Worth has the best expect or sorry, Echo Park in Fort Worth, the number one two in the um, the expected run differential. Looks like they've gotten a little bit unlucky in terms of expected wins, um, but really it'll just you know the the margin for error there is um, is none. Whoever stays healthy, whoever wins a couple close games and then head to head. Let's see. It looks like all of those teams are out of the cup. So everybody just has their league schedule. You know, if they can, if you have a real bad fifth starter now, you can kind of drop them down the stretch. Yeah, I would definitely. If if I wanted to, if I had to predict it right now, I'd say Buckhead's going to win the league on the last day against. Uh, you got you play Kingston Township on the last day. I think it'll be close, but I think it'll be Buckhead, uh, Brooklyn, Fort Worth, Echo Park, and then Cleveland will lock up that last playoff spot. Yeah, those will be very competitive playoffs uh, in, in the 3L as well there. Um, and the the winner, you know, I played two – if it's me, I played two close games with um, with Nova the other day during the Cup. Um, you know, certainly don't expect the, the 3L winner to go on and win uh, the, the Tournament of Champions, but it won't be – it probably won't be an embarrassment um, up there at the top. No, I think you could – I don't think you'll win your first round TOC matchup if you do win, but I think you could take it to four or five games. Hey, just need those cash monies. That's why either way, the cash play- money, the playoffs or the TOC, either way, I just want some cash. Uh, here's my my dark horse for one of the best storylines in the history of USBA. If they pull this off, if if KT somehow makes it into the playoffs with um, everybody's rooting for him, they make it in, and then and then this is the year they go up. Uh, They've been just they're they're playing seven wins over their skis. I mean, your team, uh, you know, with the underlying stats is better than them. Um, if if they make it in, they make a run. That would be that would be pretty tremendous. Yeah, I would love I would love for Kingston Township to get promoted at some point. It looks like they have they've they've made the playoffs a couple times. They've I mean, the, they've been good in the past, mainly in the early two thousand in the early two thousands, but. It's crazy how they've never gotten promoted yet. You think they would have got lucky one of these years? Yeah, you you'd think, and I don't even remember any particular heartbreaking playoff losses that kept them down. Where um, you know, where like uh, the old Gold Sox back in the day lost a bunch of uh-huh. lost a bunch of promotion series to get out of the Silver League. Um, yeah, they've got hammered by injuries this year too. At least Ed Malore has been out for a while, and so is Ron Bernardo, another power hitting left fielder. I think they could be very good next year. They have a pretty good pitching staff. I mean, Chase Sims could be a legit PL guy. Dale Snyder looks pretty good to me as well. Yeah, and it depends too who comes down. But mm-hmm. we'll get we'll get to we'll jump over to the SL here in a second. Um, so making the jump over to the SL at the top, we've got Hollywood, um, Vegas, and San Mateo. 
And right now in the current, the three playoff spots, uh, Hollywood sits at 58 and 26. Um, good for a 69 per winning percentage, which is pretty nice. Uh, they're also heading in into the USBA Cup Finals, I believe. Um, so they're going to they're gonna walk away with the top of that. Um, going down the table, we've got St. Louis, Thunder Bay, Buffalo, and even Nashville. Not out of the question that they compete for um, a playoff spot, although Nat the line between Buffalo and Nashville is is only two games, um, but almost or is is a hundred runs of, of run differential. So that's a that's, that's a big deal there. And then if you slide into your relegation spots, you have Phoenix, who's right in the bubble with Nashville, and then DC and Mississippi for sure will be in those bottom two slots. What do you make of the SL this year, TJ? Hollywood is insane, and if you don't mind, it looks like the Hollywood GM just asked us to, uh, he said he can come on Skype. Perfect. So if we want to maybe set that up, we can interview him, but he, that team is ridiculous. I definitely would make them a favorite, maybe even a favorite to get to the TOC finals. Um, the offense is insane, especially Kanto, Kanko Umbra. Man, these names are ridiculous. Yeah, we're getting, Dude's we're getting, an animal. We're getting more absurd um, as we go on. You know, we're, the, the days of 12 Salazars are, are over. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. If you look at their their rankings, they're second in FIP, they're first in runs scored. I mean, so they're dominating on both sides of the ball. Um, and they have more coming up in the farm system as well. They have uh, Ricky Sellers down there in AAA, twenty three year old, legit two way player. If yeah. I've ever seen one. Yeah, and they've got a a, a young Syrian gentleman from uh, Damascus. Um, who's could be an incredible hitter there. really good story too born right in the middle of that civil war that happened about 20 years ago well we may have it's a, a shame that ended up in drawing russia and the united states in may may have a, a narrative off with their um second rank prospect also born in um you know with born with an uphill battle ahead of him, this young man born from north korea um who's an a-ball and then, he's actually eight days old right now was born march 21st 2020 Yep, um, especially in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, he's wow, yeah. What a what a what a life he's got. Um, but yeah, the Hollywood at the top is is ridiculous. Um, you know, there's certainly a team you got to expect them to compete for um, you know top of the table spot next year in the PL. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and they're even they're running a they're running a four man rotation right now too, which can work when you get late in the season when you have cut breaks every two weeks. So their pitching staff is ridiculous. Their bullpen is – if there is a weak spot, it's probably their bullpen. But their first in runs scored and their second runs against. So there's not many weak spots at all. Yeah, and they've spent a, they've spent a bunch to get this. They've got my former um, my former guy, David, David Buchanan, at the top there, making about $20 million this year. So they've got a very, very hefty payroll, and they're getting, um, they're getting paid off for that, especially with the run. Um, very, very good club. Interesting to see them and and Nova uh, battle in the um, the Cup Finals there. Um, so what do you what do you got behind them? Obviously we have we have Vegas and San Mateo now sitting in those spots. But then if you look, you know Vegas is probably a lock for the playoffs with the four game lead. Um, and then you've got forty five wins, forty four wins, forty three wins, forty two wins. Or Buffalo, St. Louis, Thunder Bay. Uh, could all be in that mix there. Uh, Buffalo obviously getting historically unlucky, sitting at 42 and 42, but with a plus 47 run differential, um, 
you know, which in, in air quotes and heavy air quotes should make them third, um, or at least a little bit closer to San Mateo. How do you handicap that playoff race behind them? If I've learned anything, it's never count out the St. Louis, however the heck you say their last name. Yeah. So the, the French, the French, the French hearts. Yeah. Cause they, what's crazy. The, the silver league is a lot of good teams in it. And I think that's kind of a carryover of just having better GMs in the league over the last 10, 20 years. Teams can actually get good down in the lower leagues, like Hollywood, like San Mateo, like Las Vegas, who actually has, looks like the best offense in the league, even though their second run scored. Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, there's the, it's, there's only so many wins to go around, obviously. So every win you your team gets, you obviously take from someone else. But certainly that that level of competitiveness in the SL, where everything is is razor is razor thin, where people are you know allocating resources, you know trying to make it as um, as close as possible, and that's why you have so many competitive teams down in there. Being a, a mid table SL team is very very interesting because your life can change dramatically, up or down. At two games, I think that that's the the beauty of this league. You know, you go um, every when we get to the PL, every single PL team besides Oakland has something to play for. Um, yeah. If you go to the SL, other than Mississippi, who actually won a Cup series, has something to play for. Well, even even Mississippi, they're only two games out of getting in that. Yeah, they can still that avoid is. the the auto relegation. Right, and then you go to the you go to the three L, and there's there's less there, but then you still have you've got four teams that can equally claim it. Um, That's why we, we got to add the the fourth league <laughs> here over the next here during the coronavirus shutdown. Uh, yeah, I I agree, I agree, and I'm looking in I'm looking in my DMs right now. Yeah, Dave just asked me if we could we could add a fourth league, so I'll I'll let you know what Can't I de- what I decide about that, um, Dave and and Davey and I will will discuss so. Um. Yeah, it keeps keeps begging for those double sims. Um. So we'll, you know, we'll look and see. We'll maybe, maybe put the maybe put the the fourth league on the table here. Um. All right. Now jumping over to the um, as some would say, the only real league. Um. Although, side note, in a moment series, it, it is pretty cool though that the other two leagues do get discussed. If you remember, on the very early days, it was it was the Premier League, and then nobody else really got talked about. Nobody else really got discussed. Um, yeah, there were times. There were times earlier, way earlier in the league's history, where the the third league was literally a ton of un GMs that didn't do anything, and then me and Thunder Bay. Yeah. So it's kind of it's it's frustrating because it's a lot harder to actually win in this league now than it was back in the day. But it's pretty cool because every single team has a GM that you can to contact and trade with, and it makes it a lot more fruitful to actually be good, which is something I haven't done in a while. But we're good there. <laughs> Yeah, I maybe we'll get someone on who knows what that's like. Uh, you know, especially Dave posting the uh, the silverware Google Doc earlier, embarrassing. Yeah, kind of rough for, for me and you. Yeah, I have me two. you and me you and uh, Houston are the three GMs that have been in here forever and two. have like two trophies. Yeah, I have two. I have two silver league championships, two cup runner ups. Um, made the TLC, but then you know. Second place finishes in the Premier League. No, no real trophies. Um, if I ever do win a real trophy, I'll buy it for the league. So we still need somebody to go put out a hit in Chicago for uh, the the cup trophy. That's well, in the, yeah. Now we can't even ship it. Who knows what be on there? 
Um, maybe we'll get a we'll get a new cup this off season. So jumping jumping over here to the Premier League, uh, go from the top of the table. We've got Nova sitting at fifty seven and twenty seven in terms of run differential. They are the class of the PL. They really should be up by more. Um, followed by Portland Magic, the Fighting Trees, and then you've got Greenville, Vancouver rounding out the top four, and a fairly big bump down there. Um, the, your your mid table, you've got uh, New Orleans, Boston, Chicago. And then um, you get down to your relegation zone, Charleston, Philly, and Oakland. To be fair to Chicago, uh, they're they're tied with Charleston there. So this is one of the more interesting, other than the title chase, which I don't think is that interesting. Um, you know, Novo should at least pull a double um, here. And if they don't, um, Davey should probably resign. But, oh, definitely. But aside from the title chases, that's this is one of the most interesting, most most interesting tables that I've seen in a while. What jumps out at you here in the PL? What jumps out at me is last time I looked, Northern Virginia was up by like nine games, and now they're only up by three. Um, they're six and nine, nice in mm -hmm. August. Mm -hmm. uh, they did just have a big, well, I guess they, a, a big series loss. They at least took one game to Portland, so I don't think I think they should theoretically pull away, but. Northern Virginia does have a history of not being able to close out seasons. That is that so. is exactly that is exactly true. Um, so you've got um, you know where if you're New Orleans, you're an interesting spot. If you're in Boston, you're an interesting spot. Both those teams theoretically could be in either the TOC or go down. Um, oh yeah, definitely, and especially that group. I think New Orleans is. I, th I think they're not going to go down, but after that, I, I don't think it's out of the question for either Boston, the Silver Sox, or for Charleston to go down. I think Oakland's set there at dead last, and I think Philadelphia is going to be on the road for the the series, the relegation series, with losing 11 games in a row, which is not, not very good. But, yeah, it will be interesting to see down the stretch what happens, um, as well as in the, the TOC, although it's pretty stratified there at the top, but... Yeah, you've got you've got those teams that are certainly certainly the class. If you look at the the run differential, that certainly shows up there. Uh, but yeah, Boston, Boston, Chicago, and even New Orleans, you know, they're, they're two games above that drop line. Um, so be very competitive there. A lot of that will come down to luck and injuries. It would be nice for Boston to get relegated you at know, some point. Just uh, speaking for the entire league, just something that you would just just, hate. just to experience it. You know, hate. the Patriots might be going downhill now with Tom Brady leaving. Yep. It's a good time. It's a good time for it to happen. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the thing about that, what I predict will happen is Boston will probably get into that series and then use that extra cash when they inevitably win in five uh, yep. to then springboard themselves right back up to a title in two years. Um, oh, definitely. They have, they, had a good, they have a good farm system too, so I do not doubt that at all. Yeah, uh, just hang around. Um, but if you... Yeah, well, we can get it next year, next year. But if you, you know, when Hollywood comes up, they're certainly not going to be a relegation candidate next year, um, and that's going to make things tougher, um, you know, for those teams that are battling to stay up next year. All right, you've got a uh, last thing before we to wrap up this segment. Um, the the whip around the USBA. You've got the uh, USBA Cup Finals coming up. You've got you've got Nova versus Hollywood, the best of the PL versus the best of the SL. What is your prediction there? It looks like uh, Northern Virginia. Well, they don't have.
have home field yet, but they get the first game at home. I think it just depends on how much the GM can actually set it up. I think Hollywood, with having a much bigger lead in their league, will have a much better time at setting up their best starters there. Well, Northern Virginia could be up by five or six games by mid-September, but they might be in the middle of a big race, and they might not be able to start Eddie Kopp or uh, Chris Holland in that series. Yeah, we we will see. I mean, that was something. If this was if this is real life, it would be infinitely interesting to see how different teams would would value that. Um, but yeah, Hollywood is certainly no real danger of uh, no real danger of losing their league. Um, so how they'll make that adjustment going forward will be will be pretty fascinating. But. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and then we are going to bring some GMs on to talk about their clubs. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. Tell them that the tiger needs a little bit of love Let them run the jungle Let them roam their land Then stand back and marvel What a beautiful cat Cause I saw a tiger Now I understand I saw a tiger I can give them a home Safe and warm But the law wants to ban me Can you tell me who's wrong Every time they move Every time they breathe I can feel their power Welcome back to FPRL. We have a special guest on the program today. We have the GM of the Hollywood Shredders, the future uh, 2038 Silver League champions, the future 2038 USBA Cup champions, and he's about to predict the 2039 Premier League champions and TOC champions as well. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Those no. were those were all those were all very real things that you were saying off air. Um, you know, yeah, you... definitely. I mean, I, I figure that my trophy shelf is pretty empty. Uncle Sal didn't leave me a whole lot, so I might as well fill it up while I can. There you go. You stri- strike while the iron is hot here. Um, so your your club's obviously been uh, very successful here this year, making a league run, making a cup run. Um, what are, what do, what do you attribute that to? Who are, who are your studs? What is the, the fulfilling of a, of a long-term vision here with the, the club? Well, uh, you know, this season has gone a lot better than expected. Uh, mostly because Buffalo has struggled. Uh, and I'm not going to complain about that because Cross can suck it. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, the biggest contributors, I'd say, for my team have been uh, pickup of the Bambino, Kanko Umaba, and uh, you know, he got him in the offseason from uh, Bosma, and just he's been killing the ball. Struggled a little bit of late, but uh, 
you know, he, he's definitely putting up a good season. And then pitching-wise, uh, Joyce Handman, I got him from Brett last year for a two and a DH. And he uh, started 0-4 this season, but uh, he's won, I think, 13 straight games, including the Cup. So uh, he, he's been one of the better pitchers in the league for me. And then uh, Dave got rid of a closer last year, Young Q, Q Kim something like that, uh, and uh, managed to sign him right before the season started, and he's been pretty much lights out at the back of my pen. That's a heck of a contract you got with him, too. Yeah. Three years with two team options. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Like uh, I, I, I know that uh, the uh, free agency this offseason was a little funky, and a lot of people went heavy on the teenagers, so uh, I, I managed to Sneak in, scoop up some guys. I got cost back for uh, uh, four years at what he was opted out of for one year. So can't complain too much about that. Yeah. The question to... I had for you is uh, just we were just talking about the uh, USBA Cup coming up. You're facing Northern Virginia. Um, and just how you think you're going to set your rotation up for that? Because clearly you're up nine games and you should be able to coast to the finish. So you're going to try and put your best starters out there for that series? Well, I looked into it and I uh, did some math, which probably did wrong. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, I, uh, I I managed to I think get my rotation set up the last sim so that uh, my one two three will be going in the cup. So uh, it worked out for me, uh, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first meeting with Davey. That uh, the the card the cartoon villain off. Um, you you gotta love to see that. Um, talking about uh, getting um, you know, Mister Dino Tendies, uh, with your club, he just checking him out. He he could be in the conversation. Um, you know, still just mashing the ball at age thirty three, uh, about to be thirty four here in the off season, and the dude who's done it almost consistently the whole time at the highest levels of the USBA as well. Um, he could be in the conversation for the the greatest of all time before he hangs up his spikes um, and Scrooge McDucks into his hundreds of millions of dollar uh, golden parachute that he's got there. Are you surprised that he still is as good as he is, as old as he is? Uh, I'm not. Uh, he... he uh... You know, I, when I was looking at him, I was talking to JJ, uh, one of the things I was worried about was his age uh, and his contract, uh, and just started looking at him, I realized, this guy hasn't been hurt, ever. He, he's missed, I think, six total games since he became a full-time regular in 2025. So uh, the fact that he has had that kind of uh, just Ironman streak in him, makes me think that he will continue to age gracefully. He's at first base. He's a gold glove first baseman. And he's still hitting with power. He did it last year in the PL. He did it you know, many years before that in the PL. So uh, I think he's going to be a solid contributor for the rest of his contract. And the best part of the rest of his contract for me is I only have to pay half of it. So I'm, I'm okay with this. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. And, and you're looking at a dude who this is his first season below the PL, and obviously he'll be back up in the PL again next year. Um, certainly, no, no doubt, first ballot guy. Um, does it all. Does it all over there. All, all while clearing the high bar of uh, 
the high offensive bar of being good at first base too. So a lot to lot to like there about that dude. Uh, so what is your your general philosophy when it comes to out of the park baseball? Because you took over a team um, a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, in game in New Amsterdam that was really just in the in the SL and the 3L for the entirety of its history before you came up and really reloaded them in a relatively quick amount of time. So what's just your general strategy with building teams up? Well, first and foremost, I got lucky. Uh, Panda went on his run in 2034 and bought everything. So I unloaded, I think, something like $300 million in contracts uh, on him for the small price of dropping to the 3L. Uh, and even then, uh, one of the things that's happened to my team every year has been it, it, the end of the season has always been exciting. This might be my first boring end of season. Uh, first year, I think I uh, swept the team, and another team got swept, and we wound up having a game 109, and I voted relegation playoffs. Then the next year was the year I got auto-demoted, but that was, I think, again, because uh, you know a team wound up in the last sim, sweeping and I didn't win enough games. So, I mean, it's just been one of those things. I got, I missed the playoffs in the three, all the first years down there. Uh, I managed to sweep cross <laughs> in 2036 to go from sixth to third and knock him out of the playoffs. Uh, and then last year, you know, he beat me by two games. And so, I mean, it's just been, end of the season has always been tense for me. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to hopefully having this wrapped up before September. I don't think that's going to happen. don't think it's actually possible, but it feels pretty solid right now. Uh, but my philosophy has really just been to kind of go out and find you know, uh, some star players and then find guys that fit around them. You know, uh, you're not going to have uh, a lineup full of uh, Dino Tendies and Bambinos and uh, those kind of guys, but if you can find... Uh, you know, like a, one of my favorites is James Hem- Hemwick. He was my first first-round pick, and I called him up that same season in 2034, and he's just been a solid second baseman for me. You know, he, he bats in the 270 to 300 range. He steals bases. He plays slightly above average defense. You know, put him in there, get a guy like uh, Dr. Manhattan back from Houston last year who's a great center fielder, and that can make up for having some some glove issues in left field, we'll call it, uh, with Umaba, who should probably be a DH, like Davey says, but, you know, he, he, he's too good to not play, <laughs> and he's slightly better than uh, Scott Karen. Uh, and then, as far as pitching, I, I love guys that strike people out. Uh, it, you know, I, if they have more stuff, the more stuff, the better. You know, I, I love the guys that have 11 stuff. I love them when they have 13. And, you know, I, home runs are happen. Uh, they're they're a thing I accept because high stuff guys usually have you know, mid range movement. That's fine. But uh, well, if I can get on, a guy with like can, nine, 10 stuff, and can we eight control? I'll take it. <laughs> can we, can we talk about that real quick? Because you know, if, what, so for me, as someone who's done you know, a little bit of scouting, who you know, works in baseball to, to some extent, right. As a, as a, as a high school coach, the, the, so what's the difference between stuff and movement? Like when I'm watching, when, when, I, when I'm watching pitchers, to me, like it's like, oh, that dude has nasty stuff. It's late break. It is a, a tough two seam in on the hands, um, or you know, like a Bugs Bunny changeup. That is an interesting, um, interesting 
line of demarcation that Out of the Park makes, and obviously it's a sim, but it gets it gets it pretty right. Uh, it, it, I think it's fascinating that in the the home run, like your H nine is basically what your stuff is, or sorry, your movement, right? Um, like I was trying to imagine a dude who has nasty stuff, but yet doesn't have any movement. I always thought I always thought the movement was kind of code for how willing you are to challenge somebody. If you have great stuff, you're out there throwing 98, 99, you're going to pitch to batters more. You're not going to try and pitch around them. You're going to go after them, and that's going to lead to more home runs just naturally. That makes sense. That makes sense. I guess, like, in my mind, I'm thinking of the, you know, that, that two-seam fastball that Greg Maddox used to throw where the lefties would jump out of the way and it would end up in middle of the plate. Um, but, no, that is that, that, does make a, that does make a whole lot of sense. Um, so back to, back to Hollywood here. So you've spent quite a bit on this team. I mean, you're getting great return for what you've invested. Was there any worry of plowing 125 million into, um, a team in the SL? Was there any, was there any downside if you, now things have worked out with a cup run and you're going to get TOC money, but was there any worry of plowing all that money into the club? Um, if you, if you weren't in a position to get promoted? One of the advantages of my rebuild has been a lot of the guys I picked up have been popular. Uh, I've kept my fan interest maxed out, I think, for three straight years now. Uh, I essentially had a PL budget in the 3L last year. I think my budget was in the top 10 again this year, and I'm on pace to make, uh, what is it, like $130 million before any cut money. So... So I've got money coming in, uh, and uh, I, I probably will blow through the cash cap at this point, uh, just with playoffs and all that stuff. But uh, you know, it's it, it it seems like a lot for an SL team, but it's kind of playing the hand I'm dealt. A lot of the moves I've made have been moves to get guys that have maybe not great contracts, like uh, Dino Tendies, and you know, only have to pay half of them. Because he looks a hell of a lot better at twelve million than he does at twenty five, uh, you know. And with uh, Banger, when I got him from you, you know, you ate the whole thing. I mean, I had two free years of thirty million dollars. Basically, I didn't have to spend, so I could spend that other places. I was able to go out and get Paling and Buchanan, and uh, you know, just kind of fill in all of the other pieces. So I've sacrificed draft picks. Uh, I've sacrificed some prospects. I, I did have, uh, I think the first couple of years, I spent a lot in uh, international free agency. And uh, a lot of those guys are now seeing their time in my rookie team and my A-ball team. And so I've kind of got a team set for the next two years. And I'm banking on when a lot of these guys are either too old to resign or you know, for the money they're going to ask for, or you know, they start to fall off, I, I have cheap replacements. You know, kind of trying to get into that Boston model of always having another young stud ready to call up that seems to have worked for him so far. I mean, I, I looked through his farm system the other day, and I think he had something like 20 or 30 guys in the top 100 PL prospects. You know, I mean, that's kind of the dream everyone has, have the biggest budget and have the best farm system, right? So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, to have yeah, these, kind of where I'm going. to have the best of both worlds. Speaking of those prospects, there's a couple in here that are very interested to me. Mainly Ricky Sellers, um, legit two-way player, 
we've seen two-way players show up in the USBA before, and they've never really panned out. Um, Sellers it might be the best out of them, legit number one, two guy, and legit center fielder as well with fantastic range. Do you plan on using him in a two-way capacity? Or uh, I think it really depends. Uh, right now, the plan would be to use him as a starting pitcher and probably a backup outfielder with the current lineup if I had to call him up next year. But right now I have the luxury of I've got a pretty strong five-man rotation. I've got a solid bullpen, and I've got an outfield that uh, is still performing. I was a little nervous uh, earlier this year. Dr. Manhattan was batting around 200, wasn't hitting for power, wasn't doing much except for bringing his glove to the park. But you know, he uh, he's turned it around, and I still got another year of him at $6 million with the team that team option I've got. So I'm not in any rush to kick him out the door, especially since you know, apparently Uncle Sal spent $47 million on him way back in the day. I feel like he should uh, get, his, get his chance to stick around with the franchise. Yeah, that's a great story, and I'm trying to remember this. This had to be pre-cash cap. Um, I want to get someone out here. I, I forget. I remember the, the market that year was absolutely insane. Um, he's a he's an interesting dude who you know, he's going to probably end up his career. What about 37, 38 WAR? Um, you know, if, whoa, is that is that still a bust? Um, you know, probably not. But for him to return to that club, um, I mean, you could imagine what those stories would be like. Uh, you know, if, if that was if that was real, you know, it would just get completely derided by the media. That amount of money, you think they'd be a straight to a straight to major league guy. Um, and obviously, the the league is restructured a little bit to not allow. I guess you could spend fifty million on a dude um, theoretically, but the market doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, but beyond beyond sellers down there, you've got some other dudes um, in your your A ball team. Pretty unreal, although it looks like they're not good at actual baseball. Um, yeah, the A-ball, your A-ball team and your double-A-ball team is just insanely bad. So I don't know what you're doing down there, but you need to pick it up. So what I did was I put all of those studs in my rookie team this year and left them there. My A-ball team was just filler. Well, your rookie team is not very good either, so I don't, well, I don't know if that worked. You know, I just need to get them reps. They're 17, 18-year-old guys. It wasn't a big deal. They started The ones that were performing in the rookie team, I moved up to A-ball a couple sims ago. You know, since then, I think they've won two games. So, you know, they're, they're turning it around. <laughs> <laughs> what I find interesting, and I would love your guys' input on this, is you know, I'm sure if you did the math that if you have the combined win percentage of everybody's farm systems, mine would probably be the worst in the history of USBA, just atrocious. But... It, 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 just, it seems like there's not the same correlation between talent and actually winning games at the minor league level where it, it just seems like it's this it's this bizarro zone where it doesn't really match up like I've had teams I'm like oh this team should absolutely dominate um, and they're and they're just trash and then you go look at who wins some of those leagues they don't necessarily have great players obviously I know it's it's depth you know it's all 25 men 30 men on a roster. Um, but I'd be curious you guys' just opinion on that uh, or if that's something that you found or agree, disagree there. I think for a lot of the minor league teams, the non-prospects are the guys that really make it. So like for double-A, if you have a guy down there who's like 24, 25, just a filler, but just crushes double-A, he's going to do a lot better than your, your 19-year-old kid who's there for the first time and maybe struggles for a bit. 
I think that's exactly it. I treat my farm system as basically just uh, you know, priming for the for the future. I don't. I go out and I find filler, and I try to find filler that's not a bunch of assholes. I try to find captains and leaders, spark plugs, you know, jokesters, whatever, and just fill out the rest of the roster with them. I'm not really worried about that guy. I don't ever plan on playing, you know, uh, having a high, uh, high high potentials. If he works out, great. But uh, it, I get a bench bat out of him or a glove, that, that's wonderful. But otherwise, I'm just looking to make sure I have 25 to 30 guys on the roster so that uh, my guys don't get hurt from overwork. So uh, I, I probably, I, I assume I take a very different approach to my farm than a lot of people because I don't care if they win. You know, yes, the, them being happy is important to an extent, but at the same time, uh, I, I don't want to put a bunch of 23-year-olds in my A-ball team just to make sure that I have a couple guys getting happy. I want to get the guys I want to play and to get the experience out on the field. And, you know, we'll just move things around. Uh, that's, that's something that's super interesting in real life, too, is I've seen some studies that try to figure out if minor league winning percentage has any effect on development. And you'd think it would just because, you know, guys, quote unquote, learn to win. But I don't know if you if Out of the Park tries to model that or how real that is actually in real life. I think Kerry might be able to speak on that better than me. But... Yeah, I mean, I think you think you nailed it. I mean, there are people that are trying to get a handle on that. I mean, even the Astros have, especially when they tried to, you know, rebuild their. I know the Astros were big on that with making their minor league teams actually compete. Yeah, I just think you know, knowing a lot of dudes who play pro ball, um, did play pro ball, the fact that they have low morale because their minor league team is not winning. These dudes are trying to get paid. Um, you know, yeah. would they rather win than lose? Yes, they're they're competitors, but they're best. You know, they're they're competing against the dudes that are to the left and the right. Um, and you're not just playing for your franchise. You are. They're pretty amoral about who they get to the show with. It's just making it to the show. Um, so I do the 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 team chemistry aspect of it. Um, you know, even at the major league level, I think I think it, it matters. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it is very much a business. Um, and then, but at the minor league level, again, would they rather win than lose? Yeah. But I've never been like, oh man, I'm super bummed out because. You know the, the Vandals are ten games under. Um, the hey, great! That means that it gives me a better chance to make it to the major leagues and get one day closer to earning my pension, which is what they care about. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of uh, like legit guys who came from SEC schools or Big Twelve schools or legit college baseball schools who get to the pros and are just disappointed because nobody cares about winning. And I think that's just your your you know your your hard driver kind of guy. It depends on the personality. But it is an interesting topic. Yeah, you will see that. Uh, I heard that a lot from you know a lot of um, a lot of people. Where in college, you, you, it's a it's a sprint. You know, you're you're playing every the fifty whatever games matter. Uh, you're playing a midweek game, and then you're playing back to back to back in the weekends. And there's there's thirty four guys, a trainer, four coaches that are on the top shelf. And you go to you go to pro ball, and everybody's just doing go their play own. in Dayton. Go play in Dayton. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's best case. That means that you made it out of your short season. Um, that yeah, already that already right. eliminates a lot of folks. So, um, no, that is hey, that Dayton is. Dayton has a wonderful stadium, and they've no, always they got do. a good energy up there. Yeah, I enjoy the going to those games. The Dragons. I was 
I wish I would have went down to Ray Patterson this summer so I could head to a Dayton Dragons game. They uh they sell they sold out like every game for eight years, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's pretty impressive. Um, all right, so we have the, the we we touched on it a little bit, but the last thing I want to do is for you to make any predictions and or um, physical threats to Davey uh, heading into the cup matchup. So the the air is yours. I know he'll I know he'll listen to this. So um, you can cut your WWE promo here. Well, I think we're gonna have a wonderful series. Uh, you know, we're gonna have his team against my team, and uh, the better team will wind up losing probably. So I'm okay with that. Uh, he's got a great pitching staff, great defense. He, he's got some hitters that can hit. Uh, it's, it's not a mirror matchup because his defense is definitely better. But uh, you know, I think that uh, if my pitchers bring their A game and my my batters show up, he'll be very disappointed. And I'm hoping that whatever happens, I get to face him in the TOC finals again. So. Uh, you know, can really have that grudge match going for one of us, and I hope to piss him off both times. And I'm all, we're also going to need you to uh, predict the Premier League season next year. Um, theoretically, we want you to predict the championship, but we know you're such a confident guy. Well, of course. You always vote for yourself, Teach. That's what I've learned. <laughs> that is what I've learned. That, that is rule number one. But, yeah, I think that I have a team that can compete in the PL this year. Uh Portland stays good. Uh, Nova has a lot of mercenaries and some potential money issues coming up. So we'll see how that goes as far as keeping his mercenaries. Uh, and I, I think right now I'd be fighting for a TFC spot uh, and possibly uh, for first place if I was up there this year, just kind of the way things have gone. Uh, well, I've lost one game against PL competition in the cup, and that was against Oakland back in group the group rounds. So, swept Vancouver, swept Duck, uh, swept someone else. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's uh, it's been a very good season for the Shredders. No one's gotten hurt. It just something's bound to happen. I'm sure uh, that will screw everything up next year but right now i feel pretty confident that i will be in the toc and fighting for first place all right beautiful well i uh, appreciate you coming on and talk about your squad best of luck in um lifting lifting all the trophies uh and best of luck with the um you know the old pulling the triple this year so <sighs> Yeah, it might be a little awkward if I beat Davey twice, though. It could cause some uh, rifts in our civil alliance, but we'll yeah. just have to see how that goes. That's going to fall apart. Don't worry, it'll <laughs> fall apart. All good things must come to an end, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. He's he's used to it, though. I'm not too worried. Yeah, he's going for second place everywhere is what I've heard. So I think we got a good chance of giving that to him this year. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, and we will uh, hopefully have you on here soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.